Hello and welcome to another episode of Ayadeli Speaks. I'm Ayadeli Harrison. Hey, so this is part two of my two-part series on pain. Um, The earlier episode on pain one was really about me coming to terms with that word pain and how to use it effectively. I invite you to go ahead and pause this episode right now and go listen to that so you get some context uh, for this episode. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about uh, two things. One is creating the right, excuse me, uh, why admitting, you know, for me, acknowledging pain, using that word, figuring out various language to use um, is going to be helpful to me in the long run. And then two is how to create an environment where black men, specifically black male educators are, can come to terms with that word and wrestle with it in a brave sort of way. So you know, for me, like if I just use the, the physical pain, now I can actually say it, um, which was to me, as I said in the previous episode, it was mild, right? It was just mildly annoying. So on a pain scale, I would put it at a two or a three, right? And so that mildly annoying pain it was, it didn't cripple me or keep me from you know, doing my daily work. It was just, I'd feel it. I'd feel it when I walk. I feel it when I stretch. Sometimes when I leaned over, bent over a certain way. And so, but by me going to my podiatrist and saying that, hey, there's something going on in my hips. I think it's this admitting that, right? He was saying, nah, it's not your orthotics. They're fine. They don't really cause that type of issue. You need to go to a physical therapist, went to the physical therapist got through our initial meeting and in our meeting he said that you have some oh what is it in my hip it's not osteo I I forgot what it was but it was basically um one of a a deep muscle or ligament in my glute in my glute like deep underneath that is tight and I need to be able to stretch it more and so in our first meeting it was interesting in our first meeting he said you know he looked at me did a few you know this is a physical therapist you know brother here in Atlanta and he said and he said all right so what I want you to do is I think you know the people often think that because the pain originates or is being felt in the hip flexor area they tend to think it might be the psoas or something deep in there when actually it's on the outside of your hip, deep under inside under your glute, right? And he said, okay, what I want you to do is cross your legs, right? Or so sit back in your chair, sit up straight, you know, cross your right leg over your left leg and then sit in the position. And he gave me this quick little stretch and he said, I want you to do that uh, two times each time, three times a day, right? And then he gave me a list of other things that he said I need to stop doing. He said, stop crossing your legs when you sit, either, you know, your right leg on, you know, either as a four or a full cross. You know, he's like, when you lay down in your bed, put a pillow, king size pillow between your knee and your hamstring and your your, uh, ankle, because what he wanted to do was keep my hip in alignment. Because all the things I found out from him, all the things I was trying to do to to stretch or relieve the pain that was in my hip 
was actually causing more pain and more damage. And this is why it went from a, a pain in my soreness in my hip flexor to being soreness in my lower back across my entire lower back because it was throwing all of that was throwing my whole walking gait my standing gait off and everything that I did and all the advice that I got from different people not that I saw you know I went online to try and find some stuff you know I talked to my chiropractor talked to my massage therapist and they're not experts in that they were trying to be helpful and they were actually (laughs) encouraging me to go see a physical therapist right to go for physical therapy but, for, but I just didn't think that was necessary. But I was doing things that were and trying to get help from non-experts, right? And that simple stretch began to open it up, right? Began to open to where now it's been two weeks and, you know, little pain at all. I think it's gone down to a one. And some days it's not even there anymore as long as I continue to do that stretch. Now I'm beginning to feel it in that area that's underneath my glute, my right glute, like I'm feeling that stress, but that's because we're now, I'm able to <clears throat> focus on strengthening it and stretching it out so that it then doesn't cause a chain reaction across my body, right? And so when we're able to acknowledge pain to whatever degree it is, we can get to begin to seek out the root cause of it. So for me, the sim- it be- I began, I thought the root cause was my hip flexor, but it wasn't my hip flexor. That was a symptom of something bigger and more important that was going on on the outside of my hip underneath my glute. And so this root cause analysis can't begin until we acknowledge what pain is and then we seek out experts. You know, Google ain't an expert. WebMD or whatever that stuff is an expert. Or, you know, Bob and Brad, you know, the two most famous uh, physical therapists on the Internet. I love Bob and Brad. Like, you know, they've, you know, I got some really great stretches for my shoulder and things like that. But seeing Bob and Brad on the Internet is different than seeing them in person. And so to get to this route, I had to begin to admit that I had a problem to whatever degree that is. And so that leads me into, so there's benefit in acknowledging that we have a problem and seeking out professional advice, knowledgeable advice, because professional is, is, is in air quotes, not everybody with a degree, you know, you don't always have to have someone with a degree that actually has expert advice, right? It's just someone who knows, who's practiced, who's experienced this before, who knows how to speak with you and get a sense of what your challenges are so that then they can hopefully begin to give a diagnosis. And a diagnosis really is a best guess. But I'm realizing, if I don't admit that I'm experiencing discomfort, pain, soreness to the right person, it can cause greater impact in different places. And I might think my solutions will work but my solution, because I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not an expert in the anatomy of my body, was trying to address the symptom and not the problem, not the root cause. And so that takes me on to, you know, part two about like, <clears throat> excuse me. So what, what does it take? 
I'm trying to think about like, what does it take for me to, to begin to admit when I'm feeling pain, discomfort, let's just take physically right now, right? And coming to terms with that word. And I know that, you know, it is, as I said before, you know, my conditioning, my socialization as a young person, as a young black boy, playing sports, playing with my brother, being a cousin, be, you know, be a man, you know, all those things that, that asked me to be, to, you know, condition me to, to be the expert in myself, find your own solution. I mean, heck, I, I even find myself telling my daughter that, but I realized it, it had built up this callous that impeded my ability to understand the pain that I'm experiencing, one, how important or the degree of that pain, and then two, and then how to communicate that to somebody else effectively. And so we need to have these environments where myself, a 44-year-old black man, can learn to begin to shave away at that callus, right? Work on coming to terms with feelings and being comfortable. And, and it, you know, I'll say this, when, when I went to see the podiatrist, I mean, the physical therapist, you know, he was like, where's your pain? And I was very hesitant to like, tell him. And he said, come on, man, I, I know you're strong. I know you're tough you know, all those other type of things. I told him, you know, we talked about sports and I played football in college and he was just like, I know that's it, you know, but you got to tell me where this pain is at. And I took kind of, I took offense to it because in that moment, I didn't think it was pain. And so, but I, under, having, you know, done this work with black men and holding space, creating and curating spaces for black men to connect, grow and lead, I, I could sit and, metacognitively like look at this conversation and see he's trying to create a space where I'm able to admit what's happening but what he didn't understand is that the language the 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 approach he was taking actually could have caused me to be upset or dis or to disconnect from the conversation and not come back to him again because he's like come up because here's the thing if someone is really grappling with this word pain or does not fully understand the pain that they're experiencing in their bodies, telling them that you need to tell me when you're in pain is not always the most effective strategy. It can, it can be insulting, right? And that could cause me, it almost caused me to retreat. Like this guy, you know, this guy's not going to listen to me. Because I've been to doctors before, and I think that's it's kind of, you know, black male doctors who, black men who are doctors, and they kind of tell you what it is instead of like really creating a space to invite you to think. And it's not that they're wrong. It's just their approach. They have taken a certain structure, a way of teaching that might not be so helpful to me and others who are struggling with certain words. And so one of the things that I was thinking was, what if he just said, okay, how would you describe it, right? Like, let me choose the words that best describe it and then use those words back. Oh, so it's sore. How sore would you say? And we began to become curious about this soreness instead of having to classify it 
as pain, which is a word that's hard for me to work with. And so it wasn't until I actually recorded episode number one that I realized that I did experience pain. I just didn't know how to, I didn't know how to use it. I had to redefine my understanding of pain and understand that there's degrees of it. And a degree of pain is soreness because that was the word, the language that I used when I was with the doctor. And so if I wasn't in that space where I'm willing to listen and be fully present to what the doctor's saying and trying to support me, I might've said, you know what? Thanks doc. Cool. All right. You know, all right. I, I might even said, I'll see, I'll see you next time and not set another appointment and not go back because I didn't feel like I was being listened to. And so we have to understand that when, when I understand that when I'm working with black men, not everybody understands, uses language the same way that I do. And so a lot of what I do is about is being curious as a facilitator, as a questioner, right? As a colleague and inviting questions to better understand what exactly is happening. So that way I help the person that I'm working with, the room, the group, feel more comfortable, feel like they are knowledgeable. Because what happens is, is when you give me language that I don't fully know how to use to then define me, you then have become an expert of me. And I got to tell you, in adult learning, adults don't like that. Adults don't like when you a facilitator become the expert of them. Here's what you need to know about racial equity. Here's what you need to know about racism. Here's what you need to know about oppression. Here's what you need to know about implicit bias. And that's a lot of the structure that professional development is designed as. And this is why people, you know, I think, you know, it is there, you know, it's a few things that Man, I'm, I'm, I, I need to record a different podcast for that one. Um, I'll, I'll come back to that one because, one, there are, that is a presentation and a pointing at, like knowledge. I have the knowledge. I'm going to tell you that you're, here's where you might be going wrong. Here's how you're going to fix it, right? So that's one way to present information. The other way is to do inquiry, is invite people to learn more about the terms that you're using, to invite them more to wrestle with how they define words and if that fits them more, right? It's more of an inquiry and it's a curiosity that's being used. Now, that method does take a lot more time, but what happens is, is that you're able to create a brave space for me and other black men that might be that might have this thicker callus or avatar where they, you know, they're having trouble or they, I don't even want to say having trouble because a lot of times you don't even know. It's you invite them into a space of wondering and curiosity. That's not like, oh, Wonderland wondering. No, it's saying, here's a term. What do you think of it? How do you define it? How would you use it? Right? Where do you see it showing up in this particular text? What are you coming to terms with? What's resonating with you? And it's inviting them to bring their own lived experience, knowledge, and expertise to the ballgame and their skills. Allow them to put it in action with their learning. And that's what has to be important. And, you know, and I was thinking, I was like, maybe this is why, you know, I don't really go to the doctor that much. You know, I mean, I go for my for my checkups and don't get me wrong. I told you before, like I go to a chiropractor, I go to a massage therapist, I have a podiatrist. There's specialists that I go see. Right. Nutritionists from time to time. 
I know for me, I, I need to get better at going to see the doctor. But I think it's because it's like, what they going to tell me? Because a lot of times it's 10 minutes in. Hey, your weight's up. Your, 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 um, B, um, was it OBI, whatever your, your <clears throat> BMI is up. And I'm like, I, I know those things. I've, man, I've been obese according to the U.S. standard for since I was like 15 or 12, something like that. What you going to tell me that's different, right? And it's not, I guess, but the, the, the thing about it is I don't feel like there's a relationship that's being built. Now, granted, I only go once in a blue moon, right? And, and you know, by the grace of God, I, I, I thank God that I'm not injured and don't have to go see a doctor regularly. But there is something about, I think it's these environments where we, I've been made as a black man to not feel comfortable, not feel invited. And therefore, one, I either, sometimes it's the colors on the, on the flyer, some keywords on the flyer, right? Sometimes it's people, my colleagues don't think that it's something that's beneficial for me or that I would get into or I could, could support my growth. So it's not shared with me. Also, I get into the space and I don't really, I don't feel invited, right? Um, you know, there, I go into a room and if there's, there's no music playing or if there's music playing, it's like R&B, right? But it's like, you know, it, it doesn't make me feel like, okay, this is, you know, an environment that's really inviting to me. The conditions aren't really right. And when the conditions aren't right, you know, the, you know that, that quote saying is like when, when the student is ready, the teacher will show up. Well, I think a lot of times in, in, in PD that I've experienced that the, the conditions of the PD have to get the student ready, right? So that the teacher, no matter what it could be, because the teacher could be a, uh, their own self-reflection. It could be a, a, a table mate that they're experiencing. It could be watching someone say something that triggered something that resonated with them. It could be a piece of information that was given, whatever that might be, or it could be the facilitator specifically sharing some knowledge of a traditional, quote, I'm doing air quotes, teacher. We don't really know, but we got to create the conditions, right? Because now for me going to that doctor's office, like I wanted to know what was going on with me. I wanted to describe, I wanted to be that student, but if the conditions weren't there, I almost shut off. I almost didn't get the lesson I needed from that brother, even though he had the expert knowledge. He knew exactly what was going on in my body. But the conditions that he had created and his staff had created did not set me up to be a student. They did not set me up to be a student. And we got to create these conditions. And that's what, that's, I mean, that's the work of BME. That's why our BME's talk professional learning opportunities are so special. They're so unique. We are intentional about creating these conditions. You know, one of the commitments to learning that we have is that what we do is we commit to de-emphasizing a single voice as the expert in the room. Good morning. So that everybody gets a chance to show up as their own expert, their own, their, their, their knowledge, their lived experience, their expertise is all honored. When you create a space of shared learning, when we de-emphasize that one person, 
and I've, I've said this before on, 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 on various, you know, um, podcasts and things like that. But it's like, I remember when I ran something in, you know, a four day Institute back in July of 2021. And I asked the brother, you know, I asked them, so what did you expect when you come in? What did you get? And what they wrote down was they expected because this was facilitated by black male educators that they like that they would just be it'd be a sit and get. I'm going to sit and listen to these quote unquote experts just kind of talk at me. And to a certain extent, the tone of his writing was like almost like throw their degrees at me, show how expert they are in this this matter and how little I am not an expert or how much growth I still have to becoming an expert. And he said, but this, when I got here, this place is completely different. And it's because we have these commitments to learning that are de-emphasizing this expert voice. Now, granted, I'll say, I know a lot, humbly, about facilitative leadership, about emotional intelligence, about conflict uh, mitigation, about collective intelligence. I I know a lot, I've experienced a lot. But what I do with my team is create a space where we all get a chance to be new learners in this, where we all get a chance to show up as students, because getting where our work in facilitation is about getting the environment right so that the student shows up in whatever way they want to show up, because some want a specific definition. They want to be able to know it. They want to be able to have it. Others want a reflective experience, but we don't know what they want. And we can't just get, just create the learning space for just one type of student to show up. We want all students to show up because when all students show up, that is now, man, you know, it's that's personalized learning. Anyway, I got off this, this track, but it's this idea that we have to create the conditions for the student to recognize that there's some sort of pain. There's some sort of distress. There's some sort of challenge. There's some sort of thing, impediment, something that's holding them back because and in, in, in a way that invites them to explore that in their own language at first and be slowly introduced to different things. <laughs> because when the student is ready, the teacher will show up, but the conditions have to be ready for the student to get ready. That's our work. So listen, if that's you, if you wanna be a part of that, black man, man, listen, black male in education, get to our professional learning experiences, whether that's our happy hour, or that's our BME's Talk Catalyst, the four-day experience this summer, or the incubator. Get here because that's the type of learning. If you are seeking to be a student, to figure out what type of student you are, so that you can figure out, well, what teacher am I looking for? Because I remember when, 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 you know, as I was leaving the classroom or quit teaching, I realized that I wasn't planted in any place where I could be a student anymore. I felt like I had learned everything. Now, granted, this institution had been around for years. There was so much more knowledge I could have gained from that space. But for me, I was not ready as a student. So I didn't see any teachers available. And I think I left at the right time. For me, it was a great, it was a good transition. But again, I didn't feel like I was a student in that space anymore. And I, in my 16th year of teaching, sought to be a student of something. It was of leadership, it was a facility. I didn't know what, I couldn't articulate it, but the conditions weren't right for me to name what I needed. This is why we have to create learning spaces for men, particularly black men, to explore and be, be, be brave enough to sit in an area of discomfort, an area of soreness, to surface 
some of the challenges and needs that we have. Because we all have them. Even though our avatar has been conditioned or designed to not admit it, we all have it. We all struggle with it. That's why we see the stats. Black male educators are experiencing burnout. They won't tell you because sometimes they can't even acknowledge it themselves or it's not even safe enough to acknowledge. What does that mean about me? Right? Black male educators are quitting in the profession. It's because... The, and, and I've even talked to, you know, James, you know, one of my colleagues now I hired. He's one of my facilities. He was like, I didn't feel like I was growing. And he was seeking a new position to leave his classroom. He was actually considering leaving, like, what was that? Back in January, February, to take on this other position because he, 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 he wanted to be a student again. He wanted to be a student again. Well, if you want to be a student again, that means that there is some sort of discomfort, pain, or challenge, or next obstacle you're ready to overcome and you feel like that doesn't exist where you currently are so i just want to wrap so again episode one was talking about me coming to terms with pain and soreness and and dealing with that word and then this episode was about us understanding that the benefits of acknowledging pain and figuring out the vocabulary that works for us and then becoming how do we create the environment where black men are able to investigate the areas of pain, potentially look to examine their lives to see where do they want to grow? Because to grow, it, it, it is pain. There is pain. We, we want to be able to make it to the next level, right? We, we see something else. So how do we do that? So anyway, man, you know, as always, you got any comments, please leave them below. Please hit the like button. If you think you, you like this episode, please go ahead and share it with somebody. Um, and as always, you can go to our website, bmestalk.com. I want to see you this summer, July 12th through the 15th for our BMEs Talk Catalyst Experience. It's going to be a dynamically powerful experience where we are creating an environment so uh, t- everybody can show up as a student and get some personalized learning what they need in the space. All right. Wish you well. Take care.